Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. It is the favorite time of the week when we get to talk to John McClain and he joins us now on the phone lines. And John, hopefully you had a, you and yours had a very uh, Merry Christmas and uh, obviously a Happy Holidays and Want to jump into J.J. Watt. He announced today that he's retiring at the end of the season, and you know J.J. very well on and off the field. How would you summarize who J.J. Watt is to the NFL? And like I said, a great guy off the field as well. I had a great Christmas, and I hope you did too, and uh, I hope you guys have a happy new year. Before I get into J.J. Watt, I wanted to ask you, your incredible power to diagnose, your, your unbelievable intellect, I'm sure your listeners don't know all that. Um, I wanted to throw some numbers out there, and you tell me what these numbers mean. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Five, six, two, one, seven, five, one, and three. Oh man, <laughs> those are the lost. Those are the points the Raiders have lost by. I knew they'd lost a lot of close games. Yeah, but I just looked it up. The only game they've lost by more than seven points was that shutout in New, New Orleans. Orleans. And yeah. I felt sorry for them on Franco Harris night, losing the way they did. And when I see that, and I don't care what kind of leads they've blown, the fact is they've lost a lot of close games. And I hope the fans don't give up on Josh McDaniel and where they are. Because if you think about just like one more play, where they could be, they could be where they were last year, getting ready to go into the playoffs. And, okay, J.J. Watt, I thought J.J. played a couple more years. He's healthy this year. He has nine and a half sacks with two games left. And he just had a baby, a little boy, their mm-hmm. first child with him and his wife, Kayla, his professional soccer player in Chicago. And and uh, so you see a lot of defensive linemen playing 35, 36, and Watt is 33. And I, had, I did – talk show in Houston this morning. I sub hosted for four hours. And I was and I was telling I did a whole segment twice on why the Texans should bring back Watt so he could finish his career in Houston because the people he didn't want to work for, like Jack Easterby's gone. And then right after I get off the air and the next guy's come in, he puts out that tweet and I'm like, God, you talk about bad timing. <laughs> so I was surprised, knowing him the way I do, he wanted to go out on top. He has nine and a half sacks. He, in the last two games, he's kind of been on a, a roll. He's had three sacks, 11 tackles, five tackles for loss, five quarterback hits. So, and he's also played the most snaps. He's played 84, 95%. So with these last two games they're playing on the road against the Falcons and 49ers, I'm guessing he wants to go out on top. And I got a couple of stats. I'm writing a column for gallerysports.com which is free, 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 telling stories about what off the field. Because anybody can look up stats. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of stories. I've never seen a player do more in the community than he did. At one point early in his career, he could do it anonymously. But then he got so popular. He got so big that people would put it out on the Internet when he did things for them. And and I'll tell you, and, and those are stories that I'm writing in this column, but I've been looking up some stats. The greatest defensive players I've ever seen are Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, Bruce Smith, Aaron Donald, and J.J. Watt. There was a four-year period 
in which Watt, who always was great against the run, in a four-year period, he had uh, 69 sacks. Mm. Reggie White's best four-year period, 68. Wow. Lawrence Taylor's best four-year period, 63. Aaron Donald, 59. Bruce Smith, 55. And if you take two other years in which Watt was healthy, including this one, which is not over, in a six-year, his best six-year period, 94 and a half sacks, Reggie White, 99. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, 87 and a half. Bruce Smith, 84. And Aaron Donald, 81. So that shows you over four and six-year periods how dominant Watt was. He also caught three touchdown passes one year when he lined up and tied in in short yardage situations. He was great against the run. He deflected passes. Very smart player. Got double teamed. He didn't just play outside. He played inside a lot because he's 6'5", 290, and those kind of players usually play inside. And uh, he was a great player, great interview. I tweeted this morning. It was an honor to cover him. And when he was drafted in 2011, he was not a big prospect. Mm -hmm. He was kind of like Mario Williams in 06, put on a big show at the Combine, and people like had to take notice. And uh, Jason ended up drafting both of them. But in 2011, Wade Phillips was Irish defensive coordinator. He switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And they wanted Alden Smith, the third-year sophomore from Missouri, because Wade Phillips thought he fit perfectly as an outside rusher. And then San Francisco traded over them and took him. And then Wade pushed for J.J. And he talked him into it, and they did. And when they drafted him, the fans at NRG Stadium had come for the draft. They booted the pick, mm-hmm. which Wade always got a big kick out of. And nobody thought much of him as a rookie. He had five and a half sacks, but then when they played Cincinnati, first playoff game in team history, first division title in team history, he intercepted a pass, and Andy Dalton threw it. He leaped, he caught it, he outran the Bengals for a touchdown. I'll tell everybody, that is when the J.J. Watt phenomenon was born because the next year he won the first of his three NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards, tying Lawrence Taylor for the most in history. Aaron Donald has since tied them. And uh, he is a phenomenal player. I'm happy for him. The networks will be clamoring for him. It's like I tell people, our governor and our mayor better hope he doesn't come back to Texas and decide he wants to run for office. You better hope he doesn't want to come to Las Vegas <laughs> and be the head of Ranger Greater Nation with DeMond. And uh, by the way, DeMond, if you want me to reach out to Watt about replacing Q, I'll be happy to do it. And, I'm open. Um, I just can't say enough about the guy. I remember in 15, they were in hard knocks, and he was working one morning before daylight and after the sunset. And I remember remember a, a national talk show ripping him, saying he's a phony, and he did it for the cameras. And I tweeted, he does this all the time. He's been doing it since he got here. And I remember one of them said I'd carried water for him. Watt ended up going on their talk show, and then they fell in love with him. And so I can't say enough great things about him. You know, you were in Texas in the mm-hmm. heyday that he had with the Texans, and I'm so happy for him. 
that he's going out on top and not because of an injury. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a great guy off the field. I mean, for everything he did on the field, he was even a great dude off the field. I remember when the hurricane hit and just all, all the things he did, like you mentioned, for the community, man. Really excited for J.J. Watt. Definitely going to have I'll, a gold jacket. Let me tell you a quick, quick story. When he was drafted in 2011, they had the lockout going. So he couldn't come here and, and come to the team, couldn't be signed. And so uh, there was a family here. Their last name was Barry. And this is a famous thing in Houston because they were coming back from Colorado on a trip. And their van, they had a wreck and it killed the parents. And the kids were paralyzed parts of their bodies. And so there are a lot of people, business leaders, politicians, dignitaries, celebrities, reached out to the Barry kids who were in the hospital for a long time. And one time I'm reading a story in the Houston Chronicle, and down at the bottom when it was talking about regular visitors to them, was it said, New Texan J.J. Watt, nothing else. So I'm like, hmm. So after... After the lockout ended, he signed, and he came, and I went up and introduced myself, and I said, Did, do you know the Barry family? Did your family know the Barry family? He said, no, why? I said, well, I saw that you've been visiting them in the hospital. He said, yeah. He said, I read about what happened to him, and I thought maybe I'd go up there and see if there's anything I could do to cheer him up, and I've gotten to know him. And, he's, and now he is still really good friends with those two kids, and it's just an unbelievable story. One time, this cut me off if I'm running out of time, but uh, there was a, a little girl, I think she's like seven or eight years old, and she was crying one day, and her mom and mom and dad, big Texans fans, and her mom said, honey, what's the matter? And she said, I'm not going to be able to marry J.J. Watt. So her mom grabs the camera, grabs her phone, and records her crying, saying that she's crying because she's not going to be able to marry J.J. Watt. So it was put on social media. Somebody brought it to Watt's attention. And one day, that family loaded up their van, and they came to NRG Stadium. They told their kids they were going to, to buy tickets to a concert because the ticket office is next to the team store, which is next to the lobby. They go in the lobby. Watt is standing there with a jersey. He gets down on one knee and asks the little girl if she'll marry him. One of the PR guys is holding up his laptop with here, come the, here Comes the Bride playing, and Watt put the jersey on her, picked her up, danced around the lobby <laughs> while she was in a state of shock, and her parents were just crying like babies. And, of course, they put it out on the Internet. And, you know, how many, how many people did that? That took a little time to put together. And I asked him one time, why do you do so much in the community? He said, well, I'm single. He said, you know, I don't want to go hang out in the bars or clubs. I want to do things in the community. And at some point, I'm going to get married, and I'll sit on my sofa and watch Sports Center every night. There you go. That's the same, that's the same life plan I had, John. <laughs> and that's what you do that's right <laughs> exactly right exactly right and and there you go in the community there in waco i got my wife as well so boom there it is it happens john mcclain gallery sports.com sports radio 610 with us john we'll wrap this up with this and this has been fantastic really it has i, I love hearing about jj watt and everything because he's a hall of famer he's gonna have a gold jacket sooner rather than later uh, you started out talking about the raiders and that tough loss on on saturday 
Let's end it with that. And, you know, of course, there's been many close losses for the Silver and Black. You said don't give up on Josh McDaniels. What do you think he as a coaching staff and his staff need to do to get this Raider team from where it is right now to take the next step next season? Looks like the most important thing they can do is get Mark Davis to sign Josh Jacobs to a, an extension because Jacobs, as you know, has been great. And then they got to make a decision on Derek Carr. Do they keep him? Do they go with another veteran quarterback? Do they have to trade up to draft somebody? You know, those last two games against the 49ers and Chiefs, two of the best teams in football who could meet in the Super Bowl, they'd like to go out in positive fashion. And uh, But when you lose that many close games, to me, people don't want to hear it. You think, well, the alternative is to get beat by 20. They certainly want to do, wouldn't want to do that. So I hope that uh, for Raider fans' sake, that Mark Davis shows patience with uh, McDaniel Ziegler to give him another offseason or two to put that together. You know, and the question that we've been having around here is the fact that the Raiders have a $40 million decision basically on Derek Carr. Uh, I think there's no doubt that he comes back in 2023 if they didn't have that $40 million decision. But I, you know the business side of the NFL. What do you think the Raiders do moving forward making that decision five days after the Super Bowl? Considering how much the cap's going to go up, because this deal that they're doing with YouTube, mm-hmm. that's going to trickle down to the players. The cap's going to be up. $40 million ain't what it was two or three years ago. It's not as big a deal. It's a big deal, of course, but it's not what it was. That's a good point. He can keep it. You know, it's just money. The franchise is worth billions of dollars. It's got to be a decision made by not by Mark Davis. It's got to be a football decision, and it's got to be made by Ziegler and McDaniels. Do they think they can fix what's wrong this year? He's had Devontae Adams and got Josh Jacobs. May not have Jacobs next year, so that's a this can't be financial. It's got to be football. That's a great point about the uh, about the salary cap and the fact that it's going to be going up and all the different money that they're going to be getting and not to make it about finances. That's a great point, John, and that's why we ask you the tough questions around here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. What do you got coming out? Gallerysports.com. We should be on the lookout for. I'm writing this JJ Watt column, telling more stories like I told you guys. And uh, then I'm going to be writing for SportsRadio610.com about the Texans possibly screwing up the first pick. And, of course, (laughs) Lovie Smith wants them to win and screw it up. But the fans don't. Fans want them to have the first pick and have their choice of any player in the country because they need a franchise quarterback. There it is right there with John. Fantastic stuff as always, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Have a safe uh, New Year's. We'll talk to you next week in 2023. Thank you. Thank you very much. Demond, thank you very much. You guys stay off the strip but still have a fun New Year's. There you go. We'll do the best. We've got to keep Demond under wraps. See that guy is going to be out there wiling out. But we'll have a good time. Many thanks to John McClain. And sometimes, hey, sometimes the interviews write themselves. Fantastic stuff. Hearing stories that we won't know unless John tells us. Fantastic. I love it. 317 is the time. We'll come back, get some calls and texts. And we got Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, joining us at 330. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Join us in the last segment, talked all things NFL, really talked all things J.J. Watt, who announced his retirement today. He's going to retire at the end of the season. I do expect the Texans to probably sign him for a one-day deal and have him retire as a Houston Texan. But uh, uh, way to go out on top, man. Some of the numbers that John McClain dropped about J.J. Watt are pretty outstanding numbers. 
right? Three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner, and there was a period of time where it was J.J. Swat, right? I mean, J.J. Swat was the dude. He was doing everything. Of course, his career uh, got derailed a little bit due to injury, but, man, that guy, he could go. He can go all the time, and I remember when he was drafted, everybody, including myself, laughed because everyone thought that the Texans needed a, a, a shutdown corner badly. They had to go get the best corner in the draft. That was the way to go. And so as soon as – and I had a guy at my radio station, Zach. Matter of fact, he's been on this show before. He's a big Texans fan. And so we were – I was in one studio and he was in another studio while the draft was going on, and we're yelling down the hallway. He's yelling at me because the Raiders don't have a pick until, what, the second round? They didn't have a first-round pick, so I kept saying that they were going to trade up. I was like, they're going to trade into the first round. He's like, no, they won't, Q. And so we're just – you know, we're going back and forth. And so when Houston got up and then they said J.J. Watt, I was like, ha, J.J. Watt, ha, right? I'm rolling. And he's like, shut up, Q. Shut up. This sucks. This sucks. Like, he was so angry about that pick. And I was, I was in hog heaven that day because I just knew he was angry and that that guy was going to be a bum. Yeah, shows what I know. <laughs> shows what he knows because we were both wrong. J.J. Watt was fantastic. So, uh, obviously, Houston made the right decision. But there's that. I can't get over this 2011 draft class. In the first round, yeah. 16 of those first rounders made at least one Pro Bowl. Wow. So, maybe the Raiders should have because just looking at it, isn't that – I'm not 100% correct, so I could be wrong. Isn't that the draft that Cap was in as well? Yeah, Callan Kaepernick's also yeah, in it as I well. Thought, and this is what I thought was going to happen. I thought the Raiders were going to trade up to get him. I thought that that was going to be their, their move. And I know a lot of people aren't big Cap fans now, but coming out of school, I thought that that dude could play. And I was like, man, that's the move. That's what they're going to do is go in and, and move up to go get him, and then San Francisco ended up getting him. Matter of fact, he even thought that the Raiders <laughs> – he had mentioned that. He mentioned it multiple times. That he thought that the Raiders were going to be the team that drafted him ended up being the 49ers. And I, I know he grew up a big 49er fan, but uh, you know he would have been a Raider fan if he had if he had been drafted by the Silver and Black. But I always thought that that was going to be the move. That was one of the things that myself and Zach, uh, because again we thought we were draft gurus, right? You know we're the smartest dudes in the room, so we're going to figure it all out. He had the the Texans getting a corner in the first round, and I had the Raiders trading up to go get Cap. Neither one of them happened. So there's that. But we have been talking about not the draft, but just how would you like to see this roster improved without touching the quarterback position? There's a lot of conversations around the quarterback. Front office got to make that decision. We've thrown it out there. We've thrown out there the money that's behind it. We've thrown out the situation. Now it's up to the front office to decide, is he or isn't he? So that's not really for us at this point. We've, we've said our piece on it, but we would like to hear from you. Uh, Quick, you're up first. What's on your mind? Quick, welcome to the show. Hey, what up, Q-Ball? Appreciate you taking the call, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, uh, I think that, let me say this off topic just real quick. I think that Desmond Ritter reminds me, in, down in Atlanta, reminds me of Cap. If you mm. ever get a chance to take a look at yeah. him, he reminds me a lot of Cap with the fastball and then a little bit of a speed. I don't know if he's as fast, but he definitely feels that way to me. Uh, like his game a lot. Um, as far as what we need, I don't need to mention the quarterback position. Uh, we obviously need a, a pretty good weak side linebacker, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Obviously, Divine is not it for us. And a safety, a real a real playmaking safety, uh, maybe that one that plays a little bit more down in the box. Because I I, I don't want to give up on Trayvon yet. I know okay. that he's had such a up-and-down season, but I'm just un- unwilling to give up on a, a second rounder that quickly in a new scheme. Um I think he can come around on it just like a couple of the other guys I'll kind of come around on with that defense as they played better the last few weeks. It makes you kind of start to look at the guys that we do have and say, okay, maybe we are a, a, an upgrade or, or a, a better, somebody said it a couple of weeks ago, a better bend but don't break kind of player mm-hmm. away 
from really upgrading the team. So those positions I would definitely say is weak side linebacker, uh, give me a, a box safety that can cover a little bit better. Yeah. And I think we, ha- and I know this isn't going to be popular, but I think we have to find another corner or like a, obviously a, a better corner. I think that we have to move Nate back inside, let him kind of come off the edge, do the things that he likes to do, maybe even transition him into that role that I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. But I like somebody like that or just another shutdown, lockdown corner for us to play in Graham's scheme. Uh, not sure what you think on that one. Obviously, the, the, the O-line is the side that we need to, to upgrade as well. And I want to eat a little crow because my guy, Darren Waller, who I said would never be the same. He looked a little fast out there, man. <laughs> he, he, you know? Yeah. He looked a little fast, man. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> I'm not here to lie, you know. So, hey, that's a shame, shame on me because uh, he looked a little fast. So, let's see if we can kind of keep something going here. Uh, can't wait to see uh, Stidham play. Peace out, boys. There you go. Quick right there. Appreciate the uh, the comment. Appreciate the call, my man. And, yeah, you know, I got to give Waller a lot of credit for that catch that he made right before uh, halftime. That was not an easy catch. I mean, my man had to turn and continue to turn in those kind of conditions, right, where it could have easily been a slip and fall, and you say, oh, well, he couldn't catch his, his footing. But for him to make that catch, I was pretty impressed with that. So I got to give Waller credit. Problem I had with Waller, and it's not his fault, necessarily he only had 21 snaps I would have liked to see him in the game more felt like that's a game where with Darren Waller could have really been effective right even a few of the times that Foster was out there maybe have a little bit more Darren Waller than Foster but I get it you know he's got to continue to, to ramp up but man look damn there's only two games left how much more ramping up do you need right at some point you can you're going to shut it on down you're going to shut it on down again and, and you know go into the offseason so I'd like to see him you know, increase that snap count from 21. I'd like to see at least that they're like 40 snaps, right? I know that's a lot, but is it? Yeah, I was going to say, is it? Because some right. of those snaps, it could just be a run play and he just happens to be on the field. Or, you, you know, we hear it all the time where that play isn't designed for me. But the threat of Darren Waller being out there is huge. Could, it could count for something, yeah. Right. If Darren Waller's out there, guess what? Devontae Adams is that much more effective. And for the last three games, Devontae Adams hasn't done, really, hasn't done squat. And that's, that's not okay, right? You didn't get Devontae Adams to have him have two catches for 15 yards or three catches for 25 yards or, or whatever the case may be. He's got to be used more in a better way. And I know I want to see a lot of the run game, but I also want to see a lot of 17. There's a reason why you went out and made the move for him. You didn't get him out there to be a decoy. He ain't out there just trying to run. Uh, he ain't out there for a track meet. He's out there to play football. like to see him do it. Yeah, and I just don't care what the coverage is. So much we hear about, oh, oh, how they're the playing The defense them. took them away. I, I don't care because right. I hate to see those stats because I don't want to be stat man. But when you see, oh, he's never had like more than one of these games in his career with the Packers. And in this season alone, he's had like four or five of those games with less this many receiving yards. And it's so few of them. Which just how does that happen? Right. And the thing about it is he, you know, was the only guy in Green Bay. So you think that defenses weren't trying to take him away there? Okay, they got him the ball. They got him the ball. A lot. <laughs> he, a lot. I'd like to see him get the ball a lot more than he has, especially the last couple of games. We'll see what happens moving forward. Let's take one more quick call. Pete in North Carolina, welcome to the show. Q, thank you so much for having me, and we appreciate all that you do for Raider Nation. Hey, I just wanted to revisit one thing. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention was I was one of those guys that was a, a, a pulling for Rich Versace to be the head coach again, and I don't want to revisit that, but at the end of the day, I thought he deserved 
the opportunity to be head coach one more year. Mm-hmm. The same way I feel like if the Carolina Panthers get in the playoffs, Steve Wilkes deserves that opportunity. Agreed. And sometimes we're looking for more than what we get. But regarding Derek Carr, quarterback, I, I, look, Derek's our quarterback, and I think he should remain our quarterback. Um, I, I would like to see him in this system again another year especially with the relationship he has with Devontae. I don't know how he feels about that with all the talk that's going on. I feel like we're, we're kind of running over this guy for um, – um, I think it's unfair, quite frankly. Granted, he hasn't played well, but I don't know exactly – I guess one of the questions I have, and you guys get to see the games, I only get to see him on TV, is are these receivers open? It seems like every pass is contested. And then when we see on the opposite side of things, we, we look at how wide open other teams are against us, which is kind of frustrating to see that. And it just seems like every one of our plays is so contested. I think when it comes down to managing the game, I'd love to see Josh McDaniel. He's not going anywhere, so I'd like to see him turn over the play calling to the offensive coordinator, and I'd like him to be the head coach on the field to monitor the game and, and not sit on the sideline when the defense is out and just just – be the head coach and let the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator do their thing. Um, that's all I wanted to say. I mean, I, I love the Raiders. I've been a Raider fan for over 55 years of my life, and, and it's very sad to see what's going on, but uh, I really believe that they have, uh, um, some play, you know, they have some really good players in place, and they have to build upon that, certainly defensively and on the offensive line. But um, I, I would just hate to see them break that down. And, you know, they talk about bringing in a quarterback who's, uh, you know, like a Garoppolo or somebody like that. I think that's a mistake. It's just my opinion. But I like uh, it. Um, good, good stuff, Pete. Appreciate the call, my man, Pete, North Carolina. Uh, definitely appreciate you uh, chiming in on the show today. And uh, we'll get to all your comments right now. We have on our phone line one of our good friends, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, joining us today on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And, Mark, we'll start with what Pete had to say when he said that he'd like to see Josh McDaniels hand over the play call into the OC and just be the head coach on the field. I don't know if that's in the plans at all, but how difficult is it from just your knowings of the NFL and your playing in the NFL, how difficult is that to be both, the play caller and the head coach? Um, it's got to be It's got to be difficult, you know, and uh, these coaches got pride and egos too, man, so I don't know if uh, he wants to relinquish uh, some of that power, but at some point you got to do something that uh, that works, something that's different. Um, but, you know, like I said, these guys got egos, and uh, that's not – that was a good comment. I was a great caller, um, you know, and, and some of that is true. You know, maybe it seems like maybe it's too much on his plate. Uh, maybe you should, you know, you relinquish uh, some of the calls to Lombardi. You know, that's what we got him for, you know, right. to call the plays and, and uh, you know, have one voice in that, in that locker room uh, as far as the offensive guys because you got Lombardi, then you got Josh, and who's really making those calls, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good it's a good question. You know, I don't know if we'll ever get the answer. I, I think about the Rams and how Sean McVay used to do it and had, you know, he had, uh, uh, what was his name? Now I forget his name. Um, gee, all of a sudden I forget his name. Defensive coordinator. Um, Brandon Staley? No, no. Uh, the, the old man, my guy. Jeez, this is terrible on live radio. Phillips? Yes, Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator, and he was able just to run the defense, and Sean McVay was able to concentrate 100% on the offense. I I, I thought that that worked out pretty well, uh, but then again, he had yep. a guy like uh, Will uh, Wade Phillips that was so good at what he does. Yeah, like I said, when, when I was in Philadelphia, you know, we had Bud Carson who was, mm-hmm. uh, invented the steel curtain 
uh, back in the day. He was our coordinator, and, uh, you know, Kotite was our offensive guy. And those guys really, they just left each other alone. You know, Kotite never came into our meetings. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, and, and uh, obviously in Kansas City, uh, you know, he was a defensive guy. So he was always focused on the defense, and he let our offensive coordinators uh, run the show as well. So I've always been around teams that have, you knew who the voice was, you knew who was calling the plays on both sides of the ball, and even special teams coaches. So um, it's something that they may have may look at, but, you know, it's a different age nowadays, man. Uh, these coaches got egos, and uh, they're going to do it their way, and they're going to go out on their shield doing it their way. No doubt. No doubt about it. Again, Mark McMillan is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So when you look at the Raiders' defense, they've done a good job, and they did a really good job on Saturday. I mean, they only gave it three points late into the yeah. game. The offense just couldn't put it away. When you're in that defensive room, and if that happens, you put up that performance, but the offense can't compliment you, What? how do you go away? How do you leave that game feeling? What's that feeling leaving that game? Um, I'm cursing some people out. Uh, you know, I, I'm pissed off, man. We traveled all this way to play in five-degree weather, and, you know, we give up three points, and, you know, obviously at the end, but this is the way it's been all season. You know, the mm-hmm. offense have never been able to really put somebody away, and they're always relying on the defense to save the day, and they don't have that kind of defense to go out there and, like, you know, the opponent they're getting ready to face uh, this Sunday as the Niners. You just throw those guys out there. You know they're going to come through. Um, the Raiders are always tired in the fourth quarter. Um, everybody's always looking for somebody else to make the play. Instead of the offense just going down and scoring points and putting points on the board, it seems like they're like, well, you know, we did what we had to do in the first half. Defense, you guys just take care of the second half, which is crazy. You mentioned cussing some people out, and Josh Jacobs, he didn't cuss anybody got, out on the team. He got team. excited when you said that. He's like, all right, right up my alley, let's go. Yeah, but Josh Jacobs, he, <laughs> he did use some expletives to, like, to explain his mood and frustrations after the game. But when you're in that locker room, and obviously at this point, you're out of playoff contentions. I know that there's the .1% of everyone loses in the AFC, they could make it. But what's that like, you know, trying to rally for those last couple of games in the season when you know that you're not playing for the playoffs? Man, you're playing for your job at this point. You know, you, you, obviously you pissed off. You still want guys to go out and compete. Um, you saw some real emotion from Josh, and he's been like that all year. And uh, you, you figure this guy's been running. He's been the workhorse. Uh, you know, it's got to be frustrating for him as well on the offensive side of the ball. Like, man, what more can I do? You know, and uh, uh, we've got to look at the quarterback. I know everybody's, you know, Carr's a nice guy, and everybody wants, likes him, and he says the right things, but he's not playing good at all. And, you know, so, some people got to step up in that, in that media room and, and ask those tough questions to be like, yo, you know, but uh, obviously he's got two games left. Um, there's speculation. They may sit him down. Uh, may, let's see what Jared does, you know, but uh, seeing what uh, Josh was saying, uh, a lot of explicit uh, quotes came out of his mouth. And I kind of feel that like, man, what the bleak can we do? <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of losing. You know, this man ain't never lost, you know, pretty much. Uh, since he's been at Alabama. And, you know, it's got to be a crazy, bad feeling. Uh, you look at Devontae Adams, he's looking at the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers throwing all these rookie receivers, and they have a chance to make it to the playoff. Right. <laughs> No, no doubt. No doubt. You know, Mark, I was saying that when Josh came out and said what he said, he was in the locker room with Vinny and was expressing himself, and I was saying that that's the kind of player that you want, right? I mean, how much does that fire you up in the locker room? Like, yeah, I want to run with that guy because I know he cares. Man, that guy, I will run through a wall to Josh, man. And he's one of the guys, every time I get to the game, I go early. I always take pictures of Josh. I always go out there and, uh, you know, root him on and let him know I'm out there supporting him. Uh, you know, if you just had some – just imagine if they had some dogs like that on, on the offensive line and, 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 some, and a dog like that at the quarterback position. 
that's not going to be denied is not going to be stopped, man. Uh, you know, man, you can just see, man, it, I guarantee, man, he probably cried when he got on that bus just out of frustration, not out of just, you know, just crying, but out of sheer frustration, like, what the hell else can I do to help mm-hmm. this team win? Uh, Luther sucks, man. I know people say, well, these guys get paid millions of dollars, but it sucks to lose, period. I don't care in life. If you walk around every day and say, man, I lost today, and you feel good about yourself, then you need to go check yourself out. <laughs> Facts. Something else I want to ask you about. You talk about, like, let's see Jared. Let's see what Jared can do. If you're another, let's say, big-time player, if you're a Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, if the team says, hey, we're going to shut down Derek Carr, would are you going to be looking around the locker room and say, hey, I'm going to shut it clapping. down too? I'm clapping. I'm, I'm clapping. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Let, let, let's see what Jared can do. Let, you know, Maybe we won't be tired uh, going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, So, it's something that has to be done. I think it has to be done. You know, what are you going to do? Throw Derek out there again. Um, we're going to see the same results. Ain't nothing going to change. Like they say, a leopard don't change its spots. Right. And, you know, we got to see. Let's see what Jared can do. Uh, in the preseason, he moved the team up and down the field. He knows the offense. It's not like it's too complex for him to pick it up. He's been in that offense. So uh, if I'm a player, I'm like, shoot, hell, put Jared in. <laughs> right. I mean, there, you know, I mean, again, there's two games left. And again, Mark McMillan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And Mark, we've been talking about also the business side of things. And, you know, we had John McClain on earlier and he was like, hey, you know, the, the money's not really that big of a deal because of the way that the, the salary cap's going to go up. So, if, you know, if the Raiders want to rock with with uh, with uh, Derek Carr, that's fine. But, you know, the situation is in his contract, you know, he's got that injury clause. So if he gets injured in one of these last two games, Basically, $40 million becomes fully guaranteed. How much of the business side of things do you think will go into the decision if they're going to play in the next two weeks of the, the season? Um, I've, I've been a part of that business decision. You know, so, you know, they kind of phase you out those last couple of games, start messing with your playing time, start messing with your reps when you start getting close to your bonus. Uh, I think it'll be a good decision, a business decision, for the Raiders to sit them down, you know, because – Who's to say Carr don't go out there and get hurt, and all of a sudden he's like, shoot, I got 40 mil guaranteed in the bank. Right. I'm good. Right. So, you know, I think it would be a good business decision. Um, if I'm a businessman, if I'm Mark Davis, I'm, I'm really looking at that opportunity to say, hey, you know, let's go. If, if we're thinking about moving on anyway, let's go and just sit them down and, uh, you know, save face and, and, and see what our young guys can do. And uh, Because you got Nick Bosa coming to town. you got the 49ers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Defense coming to town. You don't think they're gonna be hungry at coming after them boys? Right. No, it is. It's gonna be man. I'm telling you that the defense coming up uh, to town to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday is gonna is a nasty defense, man. Number one in the league for a reason. <laughs> so they're gonna be they're gonna pin their ears back, man. And the offensive line, you know, the the Steelers pretty much wrecked the offensive uh, line and yeah. the offensive game plan for the Raiders on on Saturday on Christmas Eve, man. How much of that offensive line do you think needs to be addressed in the offseason and improved? Oh, big time. We talked about it in training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, with just so many uh, ins and outs. We didn't know. You would think they would address the offensive line. If you go out and get Devontae, you got Josh coming back. He's healthy. We didn't know Waller or Winfrey were going to be in and out of the lineup. But you had a pretty good, uh, you know, skill position, guys. But you didn't sure up your offensive line. Um, you know, they didn't put any money or any, any uh, time into developing those guys or going out and getting a dog, you right. know, that's going to protect those guys up front. Uh, so, you know, they failed in that aspect. You know, I know the first thing people always say is, well, it's Gruden's guys. No, most of his guys are gone. So, right. you know what I'm saying? You can't blame it. You can't blame it on John, but you have to address the offensive line. It's almost like a defensive line, man. If I'm as a defensive back, when we draft a defensive lineman, 
that I knew could get after the passer, man, I was I was at the facility the next day. Like, let's go, you know, because it, it builds your morale, and you know you're going to have somebody to go out there and fight. Right, absolutely. Mark McGillan is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 NSA Roughness. I'm glad you mentioned the defense. I wanted to go there. I look at the Raiders and I see their defense doesn't, in my opinion, create enough turnovers. They don't go get the ball enough, right? And there was t- multiple times on Saturday where the tip ball's in the air and it falls harmlessly to the ground. That happens too often for me, for my liking. I feel like they need to have guys like you, like Eric Allen, that used to have the ball in your hand. You see it? See ball, get ball. I don't feel like yeah. the Raiders have enough of those guys on the defensive side of the ball. What does it take to get that stuck in their mind where it's just muscle memory? Go get the ball when it's available. It's just got to be in you. Uh, you know, there, there's guys that go out there and they're, they're knock the ball down. Some guys that get their whole forearm on the ball. And, and that's just lack of confidence as well. You know, uh, obviously Eric Allen was one of the best to ever do it. He was a ball hawk. And I learned from the best. I was like, man, shoot, he's making it look easy. So I'm just going to study my cues and, and go out there and just take these chances and, and rely on my, my pass rush and rely on my skill set because we practice that every day, man. Me and Eric was getting interceptions off of Randall two, three times a, a practice. And, you know, it carried over into the game. And, you know, I, I don't see these guys attacking the football. Um, it seems like they're always out of position, even on tip balls. It's like, man, if you were in the right position or anywhere near the receiver where the ball is going, you're going to have an opportunity uh, for tips and overthrows. And that's something that, you know, you practice in, in, uh, in defensive uh, drills, tips and overthrows. Right. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's because the practice and the way that practice is, is ran now and they don't have time to just go over everything. They don't have multiple practices a day. I don't know what uh, it no, is. You, no, you make time. You, make, you got all day. You know, this, this, this is your job. You got to make some time right. to practice, you know, secondary and, and go get it. And that's how you make money. You know, as a defensive back, you're like, how can I get paid? you got to go out there and make interceptions if you want to get the big-time contracts. And, um, you know, if I'm looking at a defensive back, I'm looking at a game-changer, I'm looking at a defensive back that's going to go out there and, and uh, you know, try to interception passes. Heck, Chandler Jones, what, it, 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 did he have the only pick six? Um, <laughs> uh, no, that was – who had the pick? Did anyone – oh, no, Deron Harmon has the pick six. Oh, okay. And now look at that. You got a defensive lineman and a safety with, with a pick six on the defensive side of the ball. That can't cut it. <laughs> right, right. No, they only have five interceptions as a team. Only five. Good Lord. I had that halfway through the season. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. And, and I started out the show saying that in college, if you're a guy that creates turnovers in college, most likely you go to the league and you'll create turnovers. And I'm kind of looking at the roster. I'm like, those guys outside of Meek Robertson who had 14 in college in his college career, everyone else is kind of like, you know, three, two. Uh, Trayvon Merrick had seven in college, which is good. But, I mean, it's nothing where it's like these guys are just ball magnets, right? Like, you know, again, going back to Eric Allen and yourself, you guys saw ball, go get ball. And and it was just, like I said, it was routine for you. Yeah, it it was a party in the end zone, man. Who's going to get the first play? You know, in the huddle, it was a game for us. You know, William Thomas, our linebacker, me and him used to battle. He had five, I had six. He gets six, I get seven. So, you know, it was a battle and a a competition within, uh, within our team. And, you know, there's nothing better for a defensive back to get your hands on the ball. You know, that's what you, mm-hmm. that's what you live for. That's what you practice for. That's what you work hard for. Um, and if you don't have those ball hawk guys, especially in the league now, everybody, the quarterback's throwing the ball 35 to 40 times a game. If you can't get one pick a game or, 
or every other game, then something's right. Something ain't right. Right. No, I agree 100%. Again, Mark McMillan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond wants to wrap up with some college football. Go ahead, DeMond. Yeah, Saturday, I mean, the bowl game's coming. I know Mark's a big college football fan. Before we even talk about the playoff, I want to ask you about the Sugar Bowl. Alabama, they're going to be taking on Kansas State. Do you think that Bama's going to— Roll Tide! (laughs) That's what he's going to tell you. Roll Tide! Okay. Roll mother. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that they're going to come out there with a little bit more extra aggression as if they should be in the playoff and really try to lay the smack down? Um, I think they are going to be pissed off. Um, You know, like you said, when you have uh, the number one pick, probably the number one defensive player picked, uh, you know, playing out there as a defensive end, defensive linebacker, whatever you want to call him. He's a a beast. And you got the quarterback and Bryce who will be a first-round pick as well. You know, when you get those guys saying they want to play in a game that really doesn't suit them, you know, they don't have to. They can sit out. Um, those guys are going to be pissed off, and you know, as they should. You know, we're Alabama, man. We, this is the first time we ever been out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm a little pissed off too, but uh, <laughs> I'm not rooting for Georgia. You know, I'm not rooting for Georgia. I, I don't want to see them win again, man. But I uh, hope it'll be a, a a good playoff game because it seems like the last couple of weeks the NFL has been terrible football. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> So then, all right. So you're not rooting for Georgia, and then you knew the that. Two, you knew that it was no way he was gonna go down. <laughs> in the two-three matchup, you got TCU versus Michigan. So who's your favorite before a game gets played? Who do you have winning? If we could get your prediction now on the college football champion, you know what? I'm going with khaki pants. I'm, I'm going with Harborough, man. I'm, I, they've been chipping away. They've been chipping away. They got a really good defense. Um, I think they'll beat TCU. They'll probably end up playing, uh, you know, Georgia in the national championship and so far in California. Um, you know, so I'm pulling for khaki pants, man. I'm going for the Big Ten to win their uh, first national championship in a while since Ohio since State. Since Ohio State, so yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta go with a guy, if a guy shops at Walmart for his for his uh, for his dresses for his khakis, you got to go with that guy, man. I'll tell you right now, man. I got some really good Nike golf pants, man. That's all my whole collection. So <laughs> I ain't mad at him, man. I ain't mad. I wish I had that hookup like he's got the hookup because I got to pay for mine. Hey, <laughs> hey, make sure y'all get that pizza too, man. I'm, I'm launching my Grilla McMillan uh, margarita chicken pizza uh, January 1st at Evil Pie. And every we're going to donate a dollar back to the uh, Nathan Adelson a hospice care facility here, man. So I got my own pizza with my Grilla McMillan infused olive oils on the pizza, man. So that's I'm excited about that, man. Chef uh, Chef Fred uh, hooked it up real real tight. Uh, I'm I'm so excited, man. And then my my oils are selling at Barbecue Concepts here uh, in the Valley as well. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on, man. So shout out to Chef Richard, man, for making that uh, Grilla McMillan. Chicken margarita pizza, baby. That's what I'm talking about. I'll tell you right now, man, when the weather gets good, before we actually get into, like, training camp next year, we're going to have a big old barbecue here at the radio station. I'm going to let you bring your grill and everything else. I'll buy everything you need me to buy. I don't care. I'll buy everything. <laughs> I just need to get you on the grill because I can't do that. I can clean up and I can buy, but I can't cook. So. <laughs> oh, man, we'll, we'll, I'll bring out one of my Griller Grills, man. Uh, great sponsor of mine, man. We'll get that out there. Uh, using my Java Group uh, pellets as well. Another one of my sponsors. So, Man, just say the word, Q. You know it's going to get warm up here pretty soon, man. We're going to have beef, chicken, hot dogs, turkey, what you want, man. We got you. There it is. Hey, we're going to make it happen, I promise you. Before we get to the hot part, I don't want you to be out there in, in the heat like we were at training camp. I want you, you know, I want it to be nice and cool, <laughs> but still warm at the same time. So we'll make that happen, my man. I appreciate you as always. We'll catch up soon. All right, appreciate you guys. Roll Tide. There he goes. You knew that was happening. I can't believe, I can't believe DeMond asked a silly question like that. You knew that every bone in his body, he was saying, Roll Tide.
<laughs> right? I didn't I didn't got the wife at the house to say roll tide all the time. And you know we ain't got no kind of relation to Alabama whatsoever. I ain't never even been to the campus ever. But in our house, it's two things that we say all the time continuously. You can call the wife right now and ask her. She'll say, Roll tide and just win, baby. Whatever order you want to call it, that's what we're gonna do. 350 is the time. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Once again, we're bringing back the Ultimate Raiders hookup. You want to go to the final game of the season, January 8th. I believe it's January 8th. We won't actually know <laughs> the last game of the season if it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. Don't 100% know, but it is that final game. We have tickets to the Raiders Chiefs game. We're also going to get you hooked up with some field passes. We're going to get you an autographed Raider jersey. We've done this multiple times. We're doing it again to close out the 2022 season. Again, don't know exactly what day and what time the game's going to be. I don't think we're going to find out till after Monday Night Football this upcoming week. So I know that's very inconvenient for people that are trying to travel, but that's out of our hands. That's an NFL thing. If we find out sooner rather than later, we'll definitely let you know. But coming up at 415, going to get you in to win the Ultimate Raiders hookup. Going to give you that $35 Raider gift card or that gift card to the Raider image. That's going to get you in to win the Ultimate Raiders hookup. Again, a pair of tickets, a pair of field passes, and an autographed Raider jersey. You want to wear it. You want to put it in a frame. Whatever the case may be, you got the hookup. We're going to get you in to win at 415. And you know what? Because I'm in a cheery mood, we'll, we'll double it up. We'll do it at 415, and we'll do it at 430. How about that? Back-to-back segments. We'll give, we'll give everyone an opportunity to get in to win the Ultimate Raiders hookup. Also, little programming note, 4 o'clock, we were supposed to have Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, I knew that he was really tired earlier today when we talked to him at the Raider Roundtable. He just hit us up and let us know that he's not going to be able to make it today, which is okay. I'd rather know now than DeMond trying to call him, and we're like, hey, Lincoln Kennedy's coming up next, and then he's not. So uh, I know he's been traveling, and I know how traveling gets and how sleepy you can be, and you know, so he, he just hit DeMond up and said, hey, you know, I'll have to push back till Thursday, which is fine. Not a big deal. We got plenty to get to coming up in the next hour. We've been talking a lot about the Raiders, obviously, been talking about the Raiders roster, how you'd like to see it improve without touching the quarterback position. Of course, the conversation always ends up at the quarterback position, even though that's not really uh, what we're trying to go for. Uh, I saw I saw a text for Just Win Wendy. Would really love to have a radio show without Derek Carr comments. <laughs> Can't you respectfully ask him to call back another day? Thanks, Q. That's from Just Win Wendy. I get it. I get it. I'm 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 with her in this, right? I'm totally with her. I but I understand. I understand how how much of a part of the conversation he's going to be. And matter of fact, there was a part of the Raider Roundtable that you can hear right here on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 coming up at 5 o'clock. There was a part of that that Lincoln talked about, and it pertained to the team. It pertained to all the players like Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. It was an answer that he had. JT asked him a question, and it was a really good answer. We'll hear that coming up to start the next, the next uh, hour. It does have to do with Derek Carr. I apologize, but I thought it was a really good answer, and it kind of gets the wheels thinking as we th- start thinking about what the Raiders are going to do. Uh, you know, the final couple weeks of the season, are they going to play Stidham? Are they going to play Carr? Are they going to pick up his, uh, you know, his option on his contract? Are they not? And why would they or why wouldn't they? I thought Lincoln had a really good answer. So we'll hear this answer. Again, a little bit of a preview for the Raider Roundtable that you can hear in its entirety coming up at 5 o'clock. I thought this answer was great. You'll hear it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.